most of us have been through challenging moments in life and there have been things that have helped you get through those moments. There are gifts that you have and strengths that you have that are within you and available to you at all times. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. This podcast started with an episode about anxiety, and now we find ourselves in a moment of global anxiety during this pandemic, and I really wasn't sure what sort of episode to put out right now that might be helpful for people. And then last week, I joined a virtual coaching circle hosted by Lauren Roberts, who's been on the show several times in the past. Lauren is a civic coach who is hosting this circle to help people um, take some time to check in with how they were feeling and to learn about ways that they might be able to help um, others right now. And so I met Zoe Gillis in this circle, we connected, and I'm so grateful to have had this conversation with her for the show. I mean, personally, it was just very helpful for me right now, and I think it'll be really helpful to others too. Zoe is a licensed marriage and family therapist who blends outdoor adventure, group therapy, and deep interpersonal work. She started her journey 15 years ago as a wilderness guide for youth at risk in Canada, and was blown away by the healing power of being in nature. Since 2014, she's cultivated a unique and non-traditional private practice where she works with individuals, but also expands the modality of healing into group coaching and immersive wilderness retreat experiences. Zoe has a really kind and calming presence, and in this episode we're talking about some tools and practices that people can use to try to get a little more grounded and try to stay as present as we can right now and meet whatever comes up in us without getting totally overwhelmed or, you know, responding to that overwhelm as best we can. As we were having this conversation, we were having all sorts of technical difficulties, which we just kept laughing about because it was like, oh, we can't control everything and everything's full of uncertainty. And then the call would just keep dropping because of our internet connection. And then at the very end of our conversation, I ran out of disk space and um, the recording stopped. Luckily, we had come to a really beautiful close, but we didn't have a chance for Zoe to share some information about where she is online and uh, an event she has coming up. So I just want to make sure to share that. You can find Zoe on Instagram at Zoe Gillis MFT. That's Z-O-E-G-I-L-L-I-S-M-F-T. And Zoe said that if you have any questions listening to the show, she's always happy to hear from people through DM, so don't hesitate to reach out. And she's also going to be doing a live Q&A on Monday, March 30th, answering any questions specific to COVID-19. Um, and that will be on her Instagram, at Zoe Gillis, MFT. And while you're on Instagram, check out Lauren K. Roberts. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-K-A-Y-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. I always learn so much from following her, and if she has another virtual coaching circle, I highly recommend joining. I really hope this episode finds you and your loved ones well, and that you can stay safe and healthy and thrive as much as possible right now. Thank you for listening. Take care. Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and really appreciate you having me on. I'm curious to hear what are some of the experiences that you're hearing about from your clients and even just from family and friends and some of the feelings that are coming up for people right now? Yeah, I think one of the things which is often true is that there's like this whole range of experiences. Um, Some people are feeling really lonely and isolated, whereas others are feeling really overstimulated. Uh, Some people are trying to figure out how to transition their work to home And some people are trying to figure out how to adjust to not having as much work. And 
you know, also I think one of the things that has been coming up a lot with my clients is how to manage the different approaches that people in their lives are having or different reactions to what's going on and social distancing. So like I have a client who is working for a company that really is not wanting their employees to stay at home. They, they are really encouraging them to come in and, you know, he's really wanting to work from home and is able to, and, um, you know, other people are living with their partners and trying to figure out how to navigate it when one partner wants to maybe go out more and the other person is really wanting to um, adhere pretty closely to the social distancing suggestions. And so just trying to, you know, people trying to navigate these different responses and reactions. And I think some of the things across the board are just how to deal with the uncertainty of it all. And um, those moments where maybe fear comes up or, you know, just the unknown. There's just so much having to adapt. And, um, and I know like one of the things that I'm also aware of, you know, so I've been able to actually transition to seeing clients online and virtually and running my groups virtually. And, um, so I, I feel, you know, really grateful for that, but there's just, I think this is also highlighted like the inequality and, um, you know, I'm definitely aware of how who I am affects like what I'm able to do. Um, and I think like the whole control thing, like that is something that is part of everyday life, but especially now when it feels like there's so much out of control, I think coming back to that question, I find actually really helpful. Like, okay, so what in my life am I able to control and what's out of my control? Because if it's out of my control, then there's actually a part where I can let go of that in some way or um, offer myself like some comfort asking ourselves, like asking myself like, okay, given that I can't control this, like what can I do for myself that's going to help me feel more grounded, feel more um, like where can I make some choices that will be helpful? I was in a work training. It was a, a training in facilitation uh, back in January. And um, we were learning about um, first kind of like noticing your emotional reactions at work or anywhere so that you can, you know, notice how you respond to stress. And like when you've, when you're kind of in your stress zone, like what is your reaction? And it's been so yeah. clarifying in this experience to go like they, in this training, they kind of identified four main responses when you're kind of in like major stress mode, um, withdrawing, avoiding, attacking, or self-attacking. Mm. And it's it's like really interesting for me to notice like, oh man, I really avoid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I can't, and in this situation, like you kind of can't avoid it. Um, and living, my roommate actually hasn't been staying here. So living alone, it's like, okay, I'm the only one here to deal with this. So I yeah. can't avoid it. There's no one else to pass it off onto, uh -huh. you know? <laughs> but I mean, there are like, we can always find ways to avoid, oh, you know, yeah. to zone out. And so, um, but I love those like frameworks because it, I find it also really helpful just to have ways to easily remember how to like, to check in. Um, and I think the body is such a good place also to give us information about how we're feeling. And so in any moment, like even in this moment, for example, you know, it's possible to pause and turn the attention towards the body and just notice if there's any swirling sensations, any tightness anywhere, maybe connecting to the breath. And just that check-in with the body can give us so much information. That's really lovely. And 
even is helpful just in talking about all of this because just talking about it and hearing about it can raise your stress level. Yeah, the heartbeat or even like noticing the thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of the things that I really like to do when I feel scared um, because to me like anxiety can become like this really kind of nebulous cloud, you know? And so like fear, I'll get, I'll get scared. Like this one time I was meditating and I was in this really peaceful place and then the garbage truck outside made a loud noise Mm. and it totally scared me. (laughs) And what was so interesting to watch was that first my nervous system reacted and then immediately I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm safe. That was just the garbage truck. But because my system had been activated, all of my patterned ways of thinking um, that are kind of worrisome and anxiety based got activated. And so I was like worried about work and worried about friends and family. And and I just watched as, you know, um, this outside force that, you know, um, triggered all of these emotions and thoughts. So one of the things that I find really helpful is to write out all of my fears and I'll just like free form. So even around, you know, the coronavirus and the stuff that's happening, you know, like afraid of um, what's going to happen to my family if, you know, if they get sick and need to go to the hospital, uh, afraid of what's going to happen with work, um, and if my clients will be okay. And so I take each fear and just freeform dump it onto one side of the paper. And then on the other side, I respond with my most loving, highest voice. And I find it really helpful because it, it breaks apart kind of like the cluster that can be anxiety of like the swirling fears that just snowball and it and it settles them into piece by piece what each fear is and it's like taking each fear and giving it the attention that it really deserves and that it needs and the care to acknowledge each one and spend time with it and that's really helpful too because usually we just kind of do the dumping part over and over in our minds, right? Like we just kind of keep cycling through what if this and what if this and what if this, and oh my gosh, this could happen. Um, So it's not just putting it on the paper, but then also responding to that voice from a different place. Like you said, a calmer place, a wise place, a loving place, and an adult place, right? Like the grown up mm-hmm. part of you <laughs> as opposed yeah. to the scared child part yeah. of you. I was just listening yeah. to a talk with um, Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan. Uh, he founded this place called the Center for Action and Contemplation in New Mexico. Oh. And it's like a an interfaith um, organization. But I was watching a talk of his and he ta- he talked about how most of us are repeating the same thoughts over and mm. over and over. Like, yeah. he's like, 90% of our thoughts yeah. are like <laughs> the same things. And I think especially during, yeah. that's true kind of all the time, but I think it's especially true during a time like this when, like you said, oh, yeah. there's so many questions we don't have the answers to. We could just keep asking mm-hmm. them and asking them and you know prognosticating yeah yeah there's a a meditation um that I've done before where you're watching the thoughts and then writing out like what are the top 10 hits you know like the top 10 loops or Mm. hits or songs that that go through um but yeah our minds are so wild to watch (laughs) it really helps me to like when I heard him say that you know, I was like, oh, that's that's pretty true for me. I definitely have the same thoughts over and over. And like, <laughs> you know, it helped me to think I'm a more creative person than that. Like, I'm more imaginative than that. I could I could I could mix it up. You know, <laughs> like it, yeah. I almost thought of it as like it would be fun to mix it up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we have we're, we are, we are capable of that, you know. Um, yeah. 
that's the other thing I like about the embodied practices is it helps kind of uh, move out of thought. And I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like when there's space, then there's something new that can emerge. Uh, and I don't know, um, there's this quote with Mother Teresa, and I think she was being interviewed by Dan Rathers, I think. And he asked her when she prays, what does she say to God? And she said, nothing, I just listen. And I really like that because it speaks to this ability to listen deeply to ourselves and the world around us without there necessarily needing to be a lot of stories or our own projections or and, and like being able to feel and sense into something bigger. And I like that too because it in this time we're reminded that listening doesn't mean that you're gonna have an answer and be like and now it's all figured out you know because we we just can't have those right now yeah it's so true and I think yeah it's much more about actually opening to and being able to sit with uh, the reality of how things are Um, Mm -hmm. and then be able to make a choice on how to respond and yeah and really yeah be with be like learning how to be with because the thing that's I mean this is definitely unprecedented times you know it's like there's just so much uncertainty and unknown and it's territory that we've never been in before Um, but the part like in in Buddhism, there's these things called the three marks of existence. And it's uh, impermanence, the fact that suffering is a part of life. And um, well, so I remember it as the three P's, nothing's perfect, nothing's permanent, and nothing's personal. Um, Mm. And I think that last one, uh, you know, when I first heard it, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, but there are some things that feel very personal that are important to acknowledge and address. Um, but I, the way I think about that one is that uh, so much, it's kind of that out of our control thing again, like so much shapes um, who we are that is outside of our control. And so, you know, like the fact that as humans, we have these emotions that we have to learn how to navigate like feeling scared and feeling sad. Like I think a lot of times in our society, there's this um, tendency to think that if we aren't happy, that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it it is a signal to that, like there needs to be some care and attention given, but it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong. Um, and uh it's it's so much a part of being a human is is having those emotions yeah and you know some one of the reasons i was watching a richard Rohr talk was because as a contemplative he is always cautioning against dualism and saying Mm -hmm. that's good that's bad that's right that's wrong that's definite that's you know um and i just find that helpful right now because like we like we started off you know like like we were saying in the beginning people are having such different experiences right now some people yeah. are seeing oh this is such an opportunity for me to connect with my family other yeah. people are like suffering really horrible horrible things right now um yeah. and so we can't just be like oh, this is all an invitation for personal growth, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. And we also can't be like, you know, it's, there are, are, there also are some opportunities for some people, you know, at some moments. So it's not, it's not, um, it's not all completely black and white. And it, and 
something that you also kind of touched on when you were talking about your experience right now is kind of this idea of um, having some privilege and in addition to the fear and anxiety that people are feeling, there's also some like guilt and like, oh, I'm not doing enough. What should I be doing? And, um, and so that's something that I think a lot of people are holding as well. Like, especially if you are comfortable, at least right now, um, knowing how many other people are suffering is really, it can be hard to know what to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think that's where, well, so one, it makes me think of how we actually got connected, which is through Lauren, who Mm -hmm. I know you have had as a guest on before, and Mm -hmm. she was holding the circle of, you know, how can we act in the different ways uh, that we can take action. And I think, you know, there's um, organizations like off the mat. And I think about it a lot with meditation, like this duality, non-duality between like, okay, an action can actually be being still checking in, making sure you take care of yourself, but that it's, it's also in service of being able to make wiser, more compassionate decisions about what actions we can take, given that, you know, there are people who are really suffering and, or, you know, yeah. So I'm thinking about like, okay, how are we meeting our own suffering also so that, because I think that's, that's where we can also really build the skills to be able to meet whatever we see out in the world. Like, practicing how we deal with our own fears, our own um, mistakes, our own flaws, um, our own pain. And that's actually like the, the training ground for how to then take that into the world. That's really beautifully said. (laughs) And um, I'm wondering you know, you did, you kind of gave us a a little moment of grounding in the beginning and you talked about writing fears and Mm. responding to those fears. And I'm, I'm wondering what other tools and practices you are suggesting that people use right now. And I'm also keeping in mind that it can be a really hard time to implement new practices. Like, um, meditation is simple, but extremely difficult, right? Mm. <laughs> so some <laughs> practices like are hard enough under just very kind of ordinary circumstances. So I'm also kind of keeping that in mind and just wanted to voice that for people who are like, uh, I don't, I don't mm. know if I can like start a new practice right now or that sounds hard. Yeah, totally. And I think the most important thing with that is to take all the pressure off because the practices are meant to be something that offers comfort and a way to find grounding. And so if it just becomes like this concept of something that should be done or that you're trying to do because some, you know, science or expert said that that's like the right thing to do, (laughs) then I think it kind of, um, can be really challenging. I know I have like a little rebel in me that's like, no, if it feels like it's a should. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I found my way to meditation when I was like at the saddest moment in my life. I mean, I went through a lot as a teenager, um, but it was like very kind of chaotic and, uh, you know, I had a lot of fighting in my family and, um, but, I went in my twenties, I went through a breakup and I was so sad and I had never been sad like that before. And I felt like I had just kind of lost myself and lost all my joy and my personality. And, uh, and so I started listening to teachers like Tara Brock and Ram Dass. And then I started going to some meditation classes And it just felt so good. It felt like this place where I could rest and 
offered me some relief. And so I didn't have a concept of like what my practice should look like or, you know, what it meant to be a meditator. I just was following intuitively what offered me support. And so I think it's really important for anybody to follow their intuition of like what offers them, you know, what offers you comfort and to ask those questions to yourself, like what offers you comfort? What feels grounding? Where are you able to find that sense of ease or rest? And for some people, it might be a meditation practice. I mean, I think meditation is really helpful for building the muscle to kind of be still and pay attention with kindness to what's happening. But there's it, it doesn't have to be the only way in to that. And, you know, some people find it in gardening, uh, that sense of ease. And so I think there's lots of different benefits for meditation. But in terms of finding comfort during these times when like, it's just important to find something that helps your nervous system settle a little bit. That's so helpful because the should thing, like I think a lot about how kind of the industrial wellness complex <laughs> can yes, really, yes. Uh, really, really mess with people. There's just so much, there's that dualism sometimes of like, you know, everything that you're doing is like these foods are good and those foods are bad and these activities are good and those activities are bad. And if you have to choose the right ones to be the picture of health or to be the picture of spirituality or whatever, yeah. if you don't do it, you're bad. You know, like it, and, it can be insidious, you know. Yes. And that picture is often very white too. Yeah. It's, you know, like having access to certain kinds of food and fitness and uh, whatever that, I mean, that image of, of wellness definitely has, uh, you know, the, I don't know, insidiousness of white supremacy in that. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Totally agree with that. And I think it can be so harmful to everyone. Yeah. And, um, yeah. For me, I find sometimes it's just like remembering the things that brought me comfort and joy as a child. Like sometimes going back a little bit and just being like, oh, yeah, as a kid, I loved to get lost in a book and I liked to walk outside barefoot and I liked yeah. puzzles and I liked playing games like I've yeah. been I've been like, you know, playing online checkers with my boyfriend, you know, <laughs> and, yeah, I love it. and um, like I told you earlier, I, I um, my littlest sister and I we're like learning a dance together um over FaceTime today and yeah. um and it doesn't have to have this like spiritual halo around it to be yeah grounding you know and something that can just bring you some like you said comfort and ease and hopefully a little bit of fun and joy <laughs> too yeah I, I think I was telling you um you know before this call like I was feeling a little nervous. And so I, you know, was sitting with my hand on my heart and, um, and I, I find that incredibly helpful. Um, but it's also like this practice for me of just letting whatever's there be there. And so letting the nerves be there, and you know, and then, um, you know, we had a little, uh, lag time. And so I had a moment um, before we were going to start. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get up and move my body. And so mm -hmm. I like put music on and danced. And that actually, I think, was helpful because it put me in touch with, I don't know, yeah, like not the spiritual kind of having to be centered and grounded. It was just like, ah, move my limbs, and, like, yeah. take off <laughs> some of that energy. Um, yeah, but there, it's like, it's it's making room for both. And I think, being able to have the practice of checking in with yourself so that you have that relation. Like I, one of the things that has changed my life is being able to have a relationship with all the different parts of myself mm. and then being able to figure out like, okay, what do I need in each moment? Because sometimes it's really like a tender, gentle, kind response and sometimes it's like yeah just get up and move and shake it off you know mm -hmm. um so 
And I think knowing that takes, um, for me, has been a, a process and has taken time. That's great because I think it just speaks to the fact that it's yes and. It's yeah. not, <laughs> you know, I only meditate and I never dance or, yeah. you know, or yeah. I only distract myself with online games and I never um, yeah. slow down and, and do some like stretching or movement, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's important too, because like even tonight, you know, um, when I was having dinner, I was reading my notes for this episode. I was, no, I'm sorry. I was listening to a podcast, eating my dinner. And then I was like, oh, I should start looking at my notes for my podcast <laughs> and <laughs> didn't even pause the one that I was listening to. And then I like picked up my phone to check a text or just to yeah. scroll. I don't even think there was a notification. I was like, okay, do I need to be doing like all of this right oh. now? <laughs> like really was eating and listening to something not enough. Like I needed to. So yeah. I definitely have to like check myself a little bit. And that's kind of like you're saying, like where a different part of me can come in and be like, okay, Victoria, like now let's rein things in a little bit and maybe not be like doing so many things while you're eating that you're about to choke on your food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we'll get a really uh loud signal like that, right? Like stub your toe or yeah. you start choking and you're like, oh, maybe I should put some things down or slow down. Um but I also think that's where having uh a practice of checking in with the body because often our bodies will let us know, you know, like I can feel uh like when the whole, you know, social distancing started to happen, there was a part of me that like you were saying, I got really excited actually about the slowing down. And I had this like fantasy of just doing puzzles and gardening outside and like those simple joys. But you know, as kind of my habitual ways of moving through the world kicked in, like I have found myself kind of moving faster and adding more things and trying to create more stuff to do. And, um, and I can feel it. Like I can feel that kind of like my chest starts to get tight and it's almost like, I feel like I'm falling forward, mm-hmm. um, and striving. Um, and so I don't know, paying attention to that helps me. I'm like, okay, like take a deep breath and and come back and it's okay to slow down. Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of worried about like just being here alone a lot and and then one day like I had four different Zoom calls. Yeah. First thing in the morning, I saw my therapist over Zoom and then I had a work meeting over Zoom and then later in the day I had the coaching circle with Lauren and you and other people which was awesome. Um and then I was you know, FaceTiming with my family and then talking on the phone with my boyfriend. And then I, by, by the end of the day, I was like, I've been kind of with people all day. Like there was not a second that I wasn't connected to other people and talking to other people. And, um, I was like, okay, I need to like, whoo, like I, I was kind of laughing because I was like, (laughs) not expecting that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel you on that one. I've had a very similar similar experience. So with all of that in mind, like keeping in mind that grounding, centering, finding comfort and ease and joy is going to look so different for people. It could be playing guitar, like you said, gardening, it could be going for walks, it could be dancing around, it could be whatever, um, writing stories. Are there Mm -hmm. certain, um, are there, is there a suggestion or two that you have for, um, and maybe you might want to like lead us in a little um, grounding or getting into our bodies or something that people can practice? Mm. Yeah. Well, I think as far as, so I would say, I think it's always helpful. Like I've point, I've said a lot, mentioned a lot, um, pointing to the body. And I think that's just a really great place to start um because our nervous system when it's activated then triggers that primal part of our brain and it's really easy to fall into 
that fight, flight, freeze mode, or maybe even one of the four categories that you mentioned earlier. Um, so practice practices of coming into the body and feeling if you're standing, like feeling your feet on the ground or just even noticing the places where your body makes contact with the world around you. And sensing into gravity and feeling it wrap around and hold you in place. I find sensing into gravity and the stability that it offers really helpful. And then connecting to the breath. And our minds can go all over the place. They can spend time rehashing the past or thinking about the future. But our bodies are always in this moment and our breath is always available to us. And it's grounded in the present. And so connecting to the breath and the body allows us a way to connect more deeply. And so I think that just grounding first and then sensing into what the fear is. So finding the fear and you can find it in your body. And then also like we talked about earlier, like really finding the particular fear that's there and then offering comfort to yourself and coming back to what you know is true. So most of us have been through challenging moments in life. And if you're listening to this, then there have been things that have helped you get through those moments. And those things have come from you. So whether it's like a huge heart or strength or creativity, um, there are gifts that you have and strengths that you have that are within you and available to you at all times. And so I think re remembering that and coming back to that again and again, which is a practice. Um, and, and that helps keep the big picture in mind. Like for me, I've been through challenging moments. I'm sure you've been through challenging moments in your life. And, and remembering how, that we've got through, gotten through those. But then also like collectively, as humans, we have all those strengths too. So like as individuals, we have those strengths. But as humans, we have like creativity and adaptability and all of these things that we can draw on during these times. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me think, I mean, sometimes even just when I'm online and I see a really creative, hilarious vine, or I guess it's like TikTok now or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll just go like, I love humans. Like sometimes yes. the internet makes me go, oh man, humans are the worst. Yes. But sometimes it makes me go, oh man, like how are people so funny and so creative? Yes. And, yes. you know, it also makes me think about um, Dorothy Day. Um, she did like, you know, she did a ton of work um, living in solidarity with people who were exper experiencing homelessness and who didn't have food. Mm. And she would just open this her home to people. And um, she was really inspired when she was eight years old and she was in San Francisco for this huge earthquake. I think it was in 1906. And she said she just like saw so much kindness and people just Mm -hmm. um, helping each other and loving each other in these extraordinary ways. And she was like, what if we lived like that every day? Mm. And that's how she started to try to live her life. And obviously like not everyone is Dorothy Day. Not everyone is going to like <laughs> devote their whole yeah. lives to that. But I think that if we do like pay attention and keep our eyes and our hearts open, like it doesn't 
have to be huge dramatic moves because those can stop. If we think anything we do has to be like really big dramatic actions, that can sometimes paralyze us. But if we Uh kind of like keep ourselves open enough to try to make small changes, then, you know, ideally over time you can you can kind of like you grow stronger and become more comfortable with um you know your comfort zone expands and and it can be really um I don't know I just think it's inspiring to to think about people who do keep their hearts and their minds and their eyes open to what's going on and and just try to to live the way that they want everyone to live all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it makes me think of two things. One is that um like you were kind of speaking to walking this line between not feeling like actions need to be this like huge grand thing. Um you know, like changing the world and also not falling into feeling like what we do doesn't make a difference. And I think there's also the piece of knowing that, and this is maybe like the big picture thing too. It's like knowing that movements happen over lifetimes and that often we don't get to see the results of our actions and that that's okay. Like, that it still matters and it still has an impact and it's not about us and having to see the results. It's just about like taking the small next step that feels true and open-hearted and from the place of how you want to live in the world. Um, Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And it speaks to the fact that, yeah, like social movements happen um, over lifetimes and the movements happen personally for us over our lifetimes. Like sometimes when I don't know what to do, I just say to myself, I have my whole life to figure this out, to figure out my life. (laughs) Because like I'm never going to have everything figured out. So that's just like part of the deal, you know? And that's actually a calming thought to me. Yeah, me too. Especially in a time when it's so easy to go on social media and just see like before and after pictures everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is the, mm-hmm. this is the person I used to be. And now I've got it all figured out. Yeah. Like in my perfect life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where I find it really helpful to like look up the stories that are inspiring or heartwarming too. Like it just kind of reinforces that piece, like, you know, seeing the, the people quarantined doing karaoke, uh, and, or like in Iran, the, you know, in their, in the suits in the hospital, the nurses doing dances, um, or the people in Spain coming out on their balconies to give, give standing ovations to the healthcare workers. Um, it's just that kind of stuff. I'm like, wow, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of beauty that is possible. Yeah. (laughs) Possible being the, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like making room for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's this um, metaphor that uh, is, I, I love, and it's about like the salt in the water. So if you take a teaspoon of salt and you put it into a glass of water, then the water is going to be really salty. But if you take that same tablespoon of salt and you put it into a lake or an ocean, it's the same amount of salt. You don't have to get rid of it, but the container that it's held in is so much bigger. And I like to think about that in terms of our pain or the challenges that we come up with, because it's not about getting rid of them. It's just about, to me, I think about it as expanding the space that holds it. It's like wrapping our arms around those feelings or those challenges um, and enveloping it with care and kindness so that both can exist and that the pain and the suffering rests in this body of gentle and kind attention. 
I want to name something that I'm noticing coming up in me because I wonder if other people might relate to this. Mm. And I'm noticing that my brain all of a sudden is going, no, you're going too hopeful and positive. Something bad is going to happen to you or the people that you love. And you're going to look back on this conversation and go, you idiot. (laughs) It's like that magical thinking of like, I can control what happens by what I think and what I say. I really, really appreciate you naming that. Um, And yeah, so like, can you say a little bit more about like, what would it be like to name more of the, um, I don't know what you would call it, but other side? Like, what would it be like to name the other side being... um, some of the good or the no. bad, the bad, the, the suffering and the pain. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it can just be overwhelming, I think, um, to name it. And, and I think even it's like the magical thinking in the other direction is if I think about the bad stuff, um, I'm I'm going to make it happen just by thinking about it or mm. I can't handle it. I just can't even ha- I can't handle it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I yeah, but it's so um it's so beautiful that you're able to to see that. And I I think it's so important. I mean, I know f- for me, like it can swing like that, you know, it can go to feeling really positive to then feeling, um, really scared or overwhelmed, like overwhelmed is, you know, a feeling that I'm familiar with. And, and I think that, uh, it really is about like not trying to turn away from it, you know, like Like, I mean, that's what I like about that idea of the salt in the water is that it's not about getting rid of it. Um, It's just, you know, um, having a relationship with, like for me, with with feeling overwhelmed, that's curious and and kind. Because I think like with everything that's going on, like being able to see, like you said, the kind of magical thinking in it and then coming back to like, okay, so what do you know? What, like for me, what do I know to be true? I know that like right now I'm, I'm safe physically. I have a place to sleep. I have food. Um, I know that I'm able to work at the moment. And so you know, different people are going to have different things that they can, uh, know are true, like that are grounded in, in factual reality. And some of them may be difficult, you know, like I know, um, someone who was not able to get into a hospital to see her mom who was really sick and there's no making that rosy and feel good like that's just painful. And so, but I think coming back to like, okay, so that's, that's what's, that's in the moment. That's actually what's happening. It's not out in the future. And so then like, okay, what, what do you need? Like, do you need support? Do you need, um, a friend? Do you need time alone? Um, like what's, it comes back to like, what's, again, what's in my control and what's not. I really appreciate that. And I, you know, I realize I kind of threw a little curveball there, but I just thought, well, she's a therapist. So, you know what? I think <laughs> I can yeah. do this with her. Absolutely. And I wanted to be honest because I feel like the the thing I most want to do with this podcast is just actually be honest about what it's like to just be in the weeds of being a human and not try to pretend. 
I want to um, hopefully just reflect something that maybe other people struggle with and maybe even feel alone in struggling with. Um, and so I really appreciate you like holding space for that and walking through it with me because um, I don't know, I would imagine there must be some other people out there who feel that sometimes. I definitely think so. And yeah, I definitely a hundred percent think there are. And I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I, um, definitely my intention is not to, you know, make it, I don't know, seem like it's all good. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and that isn't what you were doing and it, it wasn't, it wasn't what you were saying. It was me reacting to, I think I just suddenly like what, it's, I guess it's like that thing of, it's one thing to like talk about something theoretically, but then mm-hmm. when you actually like feel it in your body, like what does it actually mean to make space for all of it? Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean it's all going to be okay <laughs> the yeah. way you want it to be. And mm-hmm. sometimes just that hits me like a big wave. Like as you were talking about the salt in the water, it was almost like I had this big wave, this big saltwater wave of just the, how intense it can be to be a human and experience, you know, like loss Mm -hmm. and, um, to have people that you love out in the world and to not be able to control everything that happens to them Yeah, is just the hardest. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even people you don't know, but just to know that people, who are fully human just like you and me are suffering um I think it can be so easy to kind of like we wouldn't think of it this way but to kind of dehumanize other people you know and think I don't know just kind of create some sort of like wall or separation between yourself and someone who's suffering and try to find some sort of difference because then you might feel like oh so that that couldn't be me because we're different Mm -hmm. um you know what I mean and it's like I remember hearing Pema Chodron say that like like falling in love and grieving can be really similar experiences in that like your heart is just like open Mm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just, like, feel everything. And mm. um, sometimes I feel that with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I also am curious to see how things evolve for, I'm, and I'm speaking for me personally, because, like, I haven't cried yet. Mm. Uh, about what's been happening and um I think my response has been kind of more what I was saying earlier like I kicked into this like trying to adapt and turn every you know like move everything online and so it's been like almost like more of a frenetic energy um and then you know but I I think I think the grief part I imagine will come at, at some point. Um, yeah. So, and I think all of that is uh, important. And I'm curious, like, um, for you as a therapist right now, I feel like you must be holding space for so much. And in some ways, when you, I'm making an assumption that you have a lot of clients who are experiencing a lot of fear and anxiety right now and are leaning on you for a lot. Like, um, I, do you feel a sense of like, okay, I really need to keep it together for everyone or, you know, does that kind of, do you feel like maybe you're going into that mode because you are like such a source of Mm. comfort and support and everything for other people? And, and where do you find the, the comfort and support that you need so that 
you can then show up for others and hold space for what they're experiencing. I think there was something you said in there that probably has, I'm sure, some truth to it in that I have been, you know, holding a lot of space for people around this. And so maybe there's a part two, like the part where I haven't cried or like, I feel like I haven't really tapped into that part. And maybe there's, um, it has to do with holding space in that way. I'm not sure. When I was younger and like in a lot of pain, I didn't really have an idea of how to deal with that. And so a lot of my healing came from looking to people around me, like my therapist. And I was also in group therapy and I found mentors and friends who I admired. And so I was constantly kind of looking to the people around me as to like how to deal. Um, And, you know, I don't think I would really be alive today, or I would definitely not be the person that I am if it wasn't for so many of the people who helped me. Um, and I think in this phase, in terms of like, when things feel challenging for me, uh, I, I mean, I have amazing friends who I can talk to, and I have a lot of friends who are also therapists. So, you know, we can consult and talk about um, what we're going through. But my meditation practice has been so helpful. And I think part of it is that I feel like I'm in this transition of trying to learn how to trust myself more and, um, check in with myself more. Now that's not true for everything. Like I would say when it comes to like social justice and understanding what it means to be white. I definitely am in the mode of trying to look to others and learn and grow in that way. But around like what's happening right now, um, like stillness just offers me so much comfort. Um, like it's been raining a lot here. I'm in Los Angeles and like laying and listening to the rain has been so helpful Um, and making sure that I carve out that space because I, you know, kind of like we talked about, I can overpack, um, my schedules amazingly, even if I'm not allowed to leave the house. (laughs) But, um, but so I think really like protecting that space, um, helps me. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, no, it totally (laughs) does. And I've been thinking about self-trust too, because, Like I said, you know, I can't avoid certain things and I'm here in my apartment just like, okay, I have to make decisions like, do I go to the grocery store? Do I try to find a food delivery service? Do I offer to go shopping for other people? Um, You know, we all have different situations where like I'm going to be around some high risk family members in a few weeks. um, So it's like. I'm trying to be extra cautious, but I have to make decisions every day. And I think what's helpful for me is just reminding myself that like, yes, I make choices and also there's still things I can't control. (laughs) And Mm. so there's a level of like, I just do the best that I can and try to, you know, instead of totally avoiding, like try to find the information I can find that will be helpful Um, but I don't have to poll like eight different people to be like, what do you think I should do? Should I go to the grocery store? Should I, you know, (laughs) um, I can just try to find some good, solid information and then make a decision and then just know that I can't control all of it anyway. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, kind of naming, like holding the suffering and the good, it's like sometimes we, we do the best we can and there's still pain that comes from it. You know, like I think, um, my mom is having some, uh, like sickness right now and she's in her seventies and, 
yeah, thinking about like, how can I be helpful to her, but I also don't want to put her at risk and I can do the best I can. And there's still, I still feel sad about having to make that decision Mm -hmm. and what might come of it. Like, I don't know, you know, Um, but I guess that's like trusting, trusting that I am going to do the best I can. And that's, that's all I can do. It's like simultaneously scary and freeing when you just acknowledge, I am not carrying the world around. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I know that that nature is really important to you and your work and that you lead wilderness retreats. And I'm curious to know what your relationship to nature looks like right now and and how you think it can help people during this time yeah so I have been trying to get out at least once a day to go for walks and um I find nature so calming in in a lot of different ways but I think um the two main ways are even if it's just looking at the sky from like on my couch, you know, out the window, um, it just feels like it reminds me that there's a vastness to things. And it also feels like it gives my brain a break. (laughs) Um, so there's something about like looking at trees or, um, you know, listening to the rain or looking at the sky that, uh, it's like, I have something to pay attention to, but it doesn't require a lot of energy. Um, and then I also, I think, I, I think it was Ramdas. I heard someone talking about it once, but one of the things that's so cool about nature is that we don't look at a tree or a mountain and start analyzing how it could be better or comparing it to like different trees or different mountains. Um, And when we're outside, there's like not a lot of mirrors. And so there's this way that it kind of, I don't, I feel like it drops us into a more natural state, or at least it does that for me. Um, And so I, I really like those components of nature. And I think especially now, um, you know, being able to get outside and get fresh air. And, um, but I also realized like, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is not everybody lives in a neighborhood where they feel safe walking around. Um, so I think finding those, those little things like the, like to me, I'm like, even finding like a sliver of sky and watching the clouds pass, I think can be, um, like a different form of meditating and so yeah or even having one house plant to tend to yeah or even like paying attention to um you know if you do have um like some vegetables that you're cutting up or something Mm -hmm. and the colors yeah and the taste and knowing like I'm like it's so crazy like the sun came down and then someone like had to pick that and then it got transported and then people like organized it in the store I, mm-hmm. like all of these things that had to happen just to have an a zucchini mm-hmm. <laughs> or something yeah or the, the glass of clean drinking water you know if you have mm-hmm. that which again not everyone does mm-hmm. um, I took a, a virtual yoga class uh yesterday which was lovely and I'm actually going to have the teacher on the podcast soon um in Shavasana she was just inviting us to think about the kindness that was shown to us as early as when we were in the womb and there were just nutrients sent to us Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like so moved by that yeah um and I think like a theme that feels like is arising in this for me in our conversation is like, again, in terms of kind of holding multiple things, like holding the granular and the cosmic, the personal and the collective, like this moment and the vast span of time. Yes. 
And yeah. nature, I think, does that for me too. Cause it's like, you can be right there. Like, look at the dirt under my nails. And then you mm-hmm. can look up and be like, look at that freaking mountain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like the tree, like you feel and mm-hmm. smell the tree so present in that moment. And it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. Uh, yeah. I went for a walk in my neighborhood the other day and I just smelled that fresh mm-hmm. mulch smell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, spring. Like it was the first time it felt like spring to me. And, and then I just saw like these bright forsythia bushes mm. and I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah, it's spring, things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. It just like brings us into contact too. It's like contact with this earth that we live on. Yeah. It's beautiful. This past weekend was supposed to have led a wilderness retreat and had to cancel that. And so there was definitely like I was disappointed about that. Um, But and like also going to parks like I'm like, well, maybe I could just go backpacking. I know Um, I thought about that, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which maybe I can, but I feel like I need to do a little more research. And I think they might have closed a lot of the national parks here. And I think even though I do feel like disappointment and sadness, there's something about like, it feels like making a decision that's thinking of, I guess, more than me mm-hmm. uh, feels, there's something that feels good about that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of amazing how like, we live in such an individualistic culture, and we live in such a like instant gratitude instant gratification culture and I see that those things in myself 100 Mm percent I'm not like judging the culture like I (laughs) that is me too Mm -hmm. and even just to notice myself going like I want to do this thing but I don't want to put other people at risk or and like I want to do this thing and I'm disappointed I can't right now but man like if I can do that later that's gonna be so precious you know it's gonna be like I'm gonna I'm gonna appreciate it that much more Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast, and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.